Good evening. This is Talking Sports with Evan. Thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Sports with Evan, either the live video stream on Facebook and Twitter at Evan Witt Sports and Talking Sports with Evan or on YouTube, Evan Wittallison. Find it there or on the podcast form. Last week, last um, Thursday, week ago today, had Tristan Thomas uh, Thompson on my show talking about the Bucks moving on from Coach Butenhoser. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some names that have thrown been thrown out there about uh, possible interviews or names linked to Milwaukee, and kind of give my thoughts on <clears throat> on those names. The 2023 Packers schedule is officially released. Now we knew. When, sorry, we knew who the Packers were playing for a while now, but we didn't know the days and the times. And I'm going to talk about that and also talk about why I am not really big on the huge show that they put on on the schedule release day because I I don't, I think they do too much about for it. Um, And I'll get into that a little bit too, as I also talk about the Packers schedule, some things I like about it, some things I don't like about it. The Brewers. Won five of their first six series, have lost five of their last six series, 20 and 17, currently second in their division, and they've been not playing some very good baseball lately. How concerned should we be as Brewer fans for the fact that the Brewers are not playing very good baseball at this particular moment? That's the other thing I'm going to talk about as well and how worried one should be. The the Brewers do get the Kansas City Royals starting tomorrow at American Family Field. So you would think that they should be able to get some wins against a team they should be because the Royals are not a very good team. The Brewers have not played very good baseball lately. So we'll see what happens there. But I want to start talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Like I said, a week ago, I had Tristan on my show, friend of the show, talking about Coach Bootenholzer being let go. Well, the first thing I, I want to talk about and I didn't really I don't think I mentioned this enough last week. Thank you to Coach Bud for what he did. Um thank you to Coach Bud for what he did during his time with the Milwaukee Bucks. I appreciate everything he did. He changed the culture, brought in a winning attitude to this team. Giannis became a mega star post Jason Kidd, and the Bucks found a way to win a lot of basketball games. The problem was they could win a lot of games over a stretch of 82 games in the season, but when push came to shove in the playoffs, that's when they struggled. And in-game adjustments and whatnot, that's where they struggled. But overall, he changed the culture in Milwaukee. All you hear about from all the players that have been through Milwaukee is the they 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 love the teammates, they love the coaches, they love the culture. And he had a big part in that because they were very directionless when Jason Kidd got got let go. And Bud took a team and took it to the mountaintop. And we can argue if it was in spite of Bud or because of Bud, all we want. But at the end of the day, they won a championship. Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, Lopez, Bobby, etc., etc., all loved playing for Coach Butenhoser. So now it's going to be important on who John Horst brings in to replace Coach Butenhoser as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. I predicted it would be a little quicker than most people are saying. 
I'm clearly wrong. Oh, granted, it's only been a week, but I'm clearly going to be wrong on that. But I am very curious on what direction the Milwaukee Bucks decide to go in to replace Coach Bud. And we've already seen some names. We talked, Tristan and I talked about some names last week. We're starting to see some names being floated around on getting permission to interview and um, other names that have been mentioned. And I just kind of give my thoughts on those names. So the first name we heard is the Bucks got permission to talk to Kenny Atkinson. He is the associate, the assistant head coach of the Golden State Warriors. Passed before that, he was a head basketball coach of the um, Brooklyn Nets and eventually got let go as him, Kyrie, and him, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant uh, kind of butted heads a little bit, and he kind of got forced out. And then you saw Steve Nash take that job. Atkinson. Uh, very good coach. Um, he was 118 and 190 during the regular season. He spent two past two years working under um, Steve Kerr. He's worked under Bootenhoser before. He was an assistant coach uh, under Bootenhoser before he became the coach of the Nets. Uh, they improved from a 21 team in his first season to be a playoff team in his second. And, of course, he got dismissed with 10 games remaining after Kyrie played 20 and Durant missed the entire season due to injury. He uh, brought in the NBA by Rick Adelman, again, a very good coach, Um, worked under Mike D'Antoni, as I mentioned, currently with with Kerr, worked under Budenhoser, and he's a coach that's been around a lot of very talented coaches during his time in the NBA, and he's he's just 55 years old, turns 56 on June 2nd. I think that would be a slam, a really good hire. Um, I think that would be, he almost took the Charlotte job last season, changed his mind. I think that'd be a very good hire if they want to continue. I think he has, he, with the coaches he's worked around, I think we're going to see a coach that can be very adaptive to the personnel the Bucks have. We still have that Budenhoser connection in regards to how, to how they play offense and defense with some wrinkles in there from the Steve Kerr, Mike D'Antoni, Rick Adelman, coaching trees as well. I would be okay with Kenny Atkinson. I don't think he got a fair a fair shot in Brooklyn. The, the expectations got put sky high when they brought in Kyrie and Durant, even though they didn't play much at all in 2019-2020, or Durant not at all, and um, Kyrie just played 20 games. And he got let go, as I mentioned, with 10 games to go. The other name the Bucks have permission to talk to, a name you remember from Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant and, and James Harden and Russell Westbrook, their version of the big three, Scott Brooks, 57 years old, 521 career regular season wins, 414 regular season losses, 49 and 48 career in the postseason. He's currently an assistant in Portland. They have gotten confirmation, uh, I mean, granted permission to talk to him. And um, we'll see how he does. He went 338 and 207 from 2008 to 2015 in Oklahoma City. Lost in the NBA Finals to the LeBron James-led Miami Heat. Got to the Thunder to two Western Conference Finals trips with Durant, Westbrook, and Harden before Harden got moved 
Um, he went 183 and 207 in Washington over the course of 2016 to uh, 2021. And he got, I think he got um, Washington a playoff berth early on too. Just couldn't um, keep, just couldn't sustain the success there. He played 10 seasons in the NBA, um, won a title in 94 with Houston, started coaching in 2003 under in, in Denver, spent one year in Sacramento before he went to Seattle with PJ Carusimo. And then he traveled with the franchise to Oklahoma City and he took over at an interim basis in the 2008-09 season. He's a guy that has a lot of coaching experience. He's a coach that has never been able to really seemingly win the big one. Um, I believe he had a 3-1 series lead against, I, I think it was Golden State, and Golden State came back to win. He lost in the finals to Miami. Um, there's some pros with Brooks, and there's some cons with Brooks as well. And I'm not really sure how I feel about him. Other names being thrown around, Adrian Griffin. Uh, assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors has no head coaching experience at this particular moment. He, uh, the Bucks have received permission to talk with, um, talk with Griffin, and he was on the um, Scott Skiles coaching staff in 2008, and he remained on the staff through 2010. Um, he has coached under Tom Thibodeau. Um, before coaching with Nick Nurse in, two, uh, in 2018. He also played in the NBA as well. Adrian Griffin, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about him. I like the pedigree he brings. He can bring the toughness of Scott Skiles as much as he was a coach that couldn't last in one spot for very long. Brings the toughness of Tom Thibodeau, the game planning of Nick Nurse. I I think he possibly could be a decent option for the never have coached uh, as a head coach before. And then Charles Lee, 38 years old, assistant coach um, with the Bucks for a long time. He broke in in 2014 in the NBA under Bootenhoser in Atlanta, came to Milwaukee with him and has been the assist associate head coach at just the beginning of this season. Played at Bucknell, uh, played several seasons in Europe before beginning coaching in 2012. Here, Charles Lee get talked about a lot. He was interviewed for the Lakers job before Darvin Ham got it. He's had multiple interviews with Detroit. He's had a lot of interviews throughout the um, throughout the NBA as an assistant under Budenholzer. The pros to bringing in Charles Lee is you, you don't have to tamper with the system that's already in place that's been proven to be successful but the risk you're taking is how closely knit was he to Budenholzer? is he going to be as stubborn with his in-game adjustments and whatnot and is he ready he's never been a head coach before same thing with adrian griffin he's never been a head coach before is he going to be able to uh, make the adjustments and get the respect of the locker room and do what he needs to do in order to be successful. The Bucks have a very short window with who they currently have on their team to be their, um, who they currently have on their team. They got a very short window. And the question is, is are they going to be 
risking it on a first-year head coach, or are they going to be looking for a coach with a little bit more experience? Now, the coaches I mentioned prior to Griffin and Lee, um, Skiles and Atkinson have coaching experience. The one coach on the market that has been the head coach for an NBA champion other than Boonhoser is Nick Nurse. I don't know a ton about Nick Nurse, except that his players seem to really enjoy playing with him in Toronto. He won a championship led by Kyrie, uh, Kawhi Leonard. And since Leonard's left, he struggled to find, uh, he struggled to find that winning uh, momentum that he saw with Kawhi. And he's got a superstar in Giannis. He's got, he would have Bledsoe and Middleton, assuming they're around possibly Brooke Lopez be a lot of pieces around the Bucks that he didn't have in Toronto. So a lot of names being thrown around. We'll see who the Bucks settle on. What I don't want them to do is give it to a former player who's never had any experience coaching before. I like Sam Cassell as an option. I think he gets a lot of respect in that locker room with his experience as a player. He's been an assistant coach for a very long time. But I've seen J.J. Reddick's name being thrown around as interviewing in Toronto. That's what I don't want. I don't want another Steve Nash or Derek Fisher situation where you just take a former player and just plump them right in there and say, go have at it. Doc Rivers is the exception to the rule. But we'll see. And then the, the Bucks have hinted, too, in on, without really saying what they've hinted, that their head coach could be their next head coach could currently be a head coach in the NBA as we speak. Not sure who that is, but we'll see. I've heard Tyrone Lou's name thrown around. And there is one coach that is a free agent that I doubt the Bucks have a chance for because he's never going to leave San Antonio. But Greg Popovich's contract expires from what I've read online. I don't know how accurate it is, but I've read online. When I've Googled his name and his contract, his, he's a free agent at the end of the season. So maybe that's a name the Bucks try to bring in, bring the guy in who taught Bud. And we know the legend that Popovich is, and maybe he wants to go out a winner. San Antonio is not going to win anytime soon. So maybe he goes the, to Milwaukee where he's got Giannis and company that's already a ready-to-win um, NBA franchise. So moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. So 20 and 17. So I've been every week except last week and except the week. Well, I did touch on a little bit the week of the draft, but every week I've been up, you know, giving a, a, a recap of what's happened with the Brewers thus far. We are now on May 11th and things are not looking good right now. Um, as a team, the Brewers are batting 239. They are 19th in baseball right now, tied for 12th in home runs at 43. They have stolen 27 bases, which is decent. Isolated power could be better. Pitching's been okay. 374 ERA, 10th in baseball. 7.8 strikeouts per nine innings. 2.46 strikeouts before every walk. They've allowed a batting average of 240. And they have a 988 fielding percentage and a 692 caught stealing percentage, according to Fox. The Brewers aren't looking like an average baseball team. 
They look like a very good baseball team through the first uh, winning their five of their first six series. And they've lost five of their last six. And they've looked like a below average baseball team. To me, if you add it all up, they're an average baseball team who played extremely good baseball the first few weeks of the year. Now they're not playing good baseball. I think they're somewhere in between. And what Wade Miley said it best, they're going to get hot again. They were red hot in all aspects um, early on, other than Corbin Burns, who had some struggles. But I think they're going to get hot again. And we just got to be patient. It's a 162-game season. The Brewers have a lot of young guys playing, trying to learn how to be an everyday Major League Baseball player, like your Joey Weimers, your Bryce Karanks. Um, Owen Miller's a younger guy. Um, Contreras, who leads the team in batting average at 276, he's a younger guy. And then you have your Christian Yelich, your Willie Adamases, <sighs> sorry, your Rowdy Telezes. Um, the Brewers are very streaky, and when things are going well, they're red hot. But when things don't go well, they we see what we saw in the bullpen, which was really good through the first month, the first month of the season, as soon as the calendar turned to May. They've not looked as good. Devin Williams has looked really good, but overall they have not looked that good. So there's no read to, no need to panic. I said the Brewers would probably win about 92, 93 games. Mainly that's because of how bad the division is. They're second place in the division. They're within striking distance in the division. The Cardinals and the Reds are playing very bad. The Cubs are playing like an average baseball team. But the wild card for Milwaukee is Corbin Burns. If Corbin Burns can become the Cy Young Corbin Burns from just two seasons ago, if he can become the Corbin Burns that we saw, sorry about that. If we can, if he can become the Corbin Burns that we saw through stretches last season, the Brewers have a pitching staff that can go on another big run. They can win six, seven, eight, nine, ten games in a row. Freddie Peralta's pitching well. Uh, Eric Lauer struggling right now. Corbin Burns, if he's on on the money, he's dominant. Wade Miley's been a big surprise for the Brewers since they brought him back this year. So the Brewers have the pitching staff that can carry this team. Right now, they're just not pitching well, and they're not hitting well. They need to play well together, and maybe this Kansas City series, maybe this Kansas City series is that switch that the Brewers need. Um, to regain that momentum and go on a, a hot streak. This has been a tough month uh, schedule-wise, too. You've had the Dodgers, you've had the Padres, you've had the Giants. This is a tough. These are some tough teams to play if you're the Brewers. The Angels with Trout and Otone. Um, but they've, they're managing. They had a tough road trip towards the end of April, which they had, a, they had a winning record in. And now, like I said, it's just a matter of getting rolling once again on the – you know, on those wins. And I think the Brewers definitely have the talent to be able to do that. And then finally, the 2023 Green Bay Packers schedule is officially announced. As I mentioned, when I started the show, we already knew who they were going to play. It was just a matter of the when. And like one of my buddies, I get it. You want to know when the schedule comes out so you can get your hotel rooms reserved right away so you can find one within... Um, driving, you know, within uh, a relatively close distance of Lambeau Field. Hotels fill up quickly in Green Bay and Appleton and Oshkosh. They get they get filled in very quickly. 
So you got to get a jump on it. I get that. I understand that. But I just, I'm not a big fan of the huge hype for the fact that, well, we knew who, what the schedule was going to be at like seven o'clock this morning. Matt Schneidman of the Athletic tweet, tweeted out what the schedule was going to be, and it was actually correct. He was correct on what he said on what the schedule was going to be. So I don't, you know, we don't need this huge hype leading up to it. Um, we're figuring out who plays who and when. So the Packers schedule preseason, they're at Cincinnati, home against the Patriots, which they're going to have a joint practice against the Patriots, and they're home against Seattle. So they get two preseason games at home, one of which will be that gold package game. Then in the regular season, the Packers open up against the Chicago Bears on the road. Jordan Love going on the road uh, through week one and two this season. The Atlanta Falcons will be will be your week two. Week three, September 24th, they have their home opener at noon against the New Orleans Saints. You're going to hear that theme a lot. They play the Falcons at noon. They play the Saints at noon. Thursday night football against the Detroit Lions. Prime video game. Um, 7.15 p.m. kickoff. I'm, I'm going to be at that game. I'm excited for that. Then October 9th, they travel to take on the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football on ESPN. Then they get their bye. I don't like the early bye. It seems like the Packers always have an early bye or a late bye. Can we get one right in the middle? If you get a bye too early, then you, you, know, you don't have any uh, time to regroup if you get a buy too late by the time you get a chance to regroup it's too late put it somewhere in the middle that that's just my thought put it around the middle i know you can't do it for every team but that's where i prefer the buy after the buy they're back on the road to the play take on the denver broncos in denver 325 uh kickoff there and then they're at home the following two weeks october 29th against the vikings at noon then October, November 5th against the Rams at noon. Then they're at Pittsburgh on November 12th at noon. November 19th, they play the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm sorry, November 23rd. Yeah, November 19th, they play the Los Angeles Chargers at noon. Another gold package game. Uh, Thursday, November 23rd, Thanksgiving, they take on the Detroit Lions at Detroit at 11.30 a.m. on Fox. Then they play Sunday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Then they have the Giants on the road on Monday night football. On December 11th, December 17th, they play the Buccaneers at noon. Then they play at Carolina at noon. Then they play at Minnesota at 720. And then they play the Bears to be determined. And depending on the Packers record, it's either going to be all the way from 12 to Sunday night football is my guess. My guess it'll probably be 325 because it is the Bears, but we'll see. And when I look at this Packers schedule, it's when you're breaking in a brand new quarterback who has very little starting experience in the NFL, this is not a bad schedule to have. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that they're going to win 13 games or 11 games or you know, light the world on fire, but I think this is a very manageable schedule. The Bears, Falcons, and Saints are not very good. Detroit, we don't really know what Detroit is. They had a great season. Well, they had a great stretch last year and finished the same record as the Packers, but they had a great stretch last season. 
where they won number of games in a row. The Raiders were not very good last year. The Broncos were not very good last year. The Vikings are going to probably take a step back after winning a lot of close games last year. The Rams are a huge question mark. The Steelers are a big question mark. The Giants are a question mark. The Buccaneers are not going to be very good this year. The Panthers are not going to be very good this year. So this is a schedule you want if you're breaking in a new quarterback. There's no reason the Packers, I know you can't finish 500, but there's no reason why the Packers shouldn't be a game or two within within the 500 mark. There's no reason for that, why they can't. The defense has a lot of talent on that side of the ball, a lot of former first-round picks. The offense with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and David Bakhtiari in the offensive line. They have a very uh, good potential on the offensive side of the football. I know Jordan Love's a big question mark. We don't know what Jordan Love is going to be. We don't know how he's going to perform. But Tristan and I talked last week. Be patient. See, see if you know how he, you know how he looks from week one to week seventeen, and then the, sorry, the last game of the year is going to be June, uh, January sixth or seventh. But anyway, let's see what Jordan Love can be from week one to week seventeen. See if he can have, you know, start improving each game, getting that ball out quicker, trusting his reads a little bit better, trusting his protection a little better week to week not escaping the pocket too soon or not staying in the pocket too long. All things that develop when you actually get game reps, something that Love does not have a lot of. But I'm excited for Packer football. I have zero expectations on wins and losses. To me, this season is necessarily about wins or losses. This is about trying to improve each and every week from September 10th to January 7th. I know it's six or seven, but I just picked the other one. It's about trying to improve week in and week out on both sides of the football and giving the young guys the experience to grow together to hopefully take that much bigger step in 2024. They're going to have more cap room in 20, 20, uh, 2024. They're going to have more experience in 2024 because you have a lot of young guys playing this year who hopefully can take that year two jump. Then they take that year three jump and that year two jump. You're going to be depending a lot on young guys. If the Brewers, the motto has been let the young kids play. That's how it needs to be in Green Bay too. Let the young kids play. Let them get the experience. Let them grow together. Let's see what this team can become. And I do have to say, I am very impressed and happy with how Jordan Love carried himself at his first press conference as the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. I know, let's not get crazy. It's just a press conference. I get that. I understand that. But the way he handled himself, I'm very impressed. And he's putting that work in to try to be great. Is he going to be great? I don't know. Is he going to suck? I don't know. And nobody knows it. Nobody knows what Jordan Love is going to be. Jordan Love doesn't even know what Jordan Love is going to be yet. So anybody saying he's going to be great doesn't know what they're talking about. Everyone saying he's going to suck doesn't know what they're talking about. Nobody knows what Jordan Love is going to be, and I'm excited to see what he is going to be. And the nice 
thing is, if Jordan Love just completely bombs it this season, you realize he is not that guy. There's a few quarterbacks in the draft coming up in 2024 that are pretty talented guys led by Caleb Williams. So you you have some guys that you could potentially look to replace Jordan Love with in 2024 if you make that determination that, well, <laughs> Jordan Love definitely wasn't him. So with that said, thank you so much for watching. Go to uh, RacineRaiders.com and find out how to watch Racine Raider games this year. I am on the broadcast team with the Raiders starting this Saturday as we take on the Baltimore Lightning. Going to be a fun game, fun season. Sign up for the live stream, five, just $5 per game. Check it out. It's pretty competitive football. The Racine Raiders are kicking off their 70th season as a minor league football team. And... This is the link here to, to watch the stream as well. So with that said, again, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate it. And I will get back at you next Thursday night as I, up, as I talk about the latest and what happened in Wisconsin sports.